1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello there, friends. While me and Liam take a week off, we figured we would fill the podcast feed with something. So you wouldn't be sitting there staring at the ceiling being like, I have no TNA-related content to listen to. So, what we are going to throw in the feed and what you are listening to right now is the first episode of our Patreon show, Monday War Games, where we covered the 2010 Monday Night War between TNA and WWE. This episode covering the January 4th, 2010 episodes of Raw and Impact, as they went head-to-head for the first time with the debut of Hulk Hogan, with the return of Jeff Hardy, with the debut of Ric Flair, with the return to the WWE of the Hitman Hart, all the big things that happened on those two episodes of television. So, if you would like to listen to all ten episodes of this series, they're all available at patreon.com slash kiddingme, or, of course, tnachat.com. We'll be back this weekend on Patreon with the third episode of our Rinka King series. We'll be back next weekend with our June 2003 episode of The Main Show. I hope you've been deeply missing us. If you haven't been deeply feeling our absence obviously I'll be a little sad, a little upset that you're not like, where are they? Where's Liam and Garrett? I'm missing Liam and Garrett out of my life in a bi-weekly fashion. But yes, next week, back, main show, June 2003, the one-year anniversary month of TNA, some very big things happening in June 2003. So we will see you then, and in the meantime, enjoy this episode of Monday War Games. Again, patreon.com slash me for the whole series.
0: And I see hey a wonderful kind of thing learn to
1: work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to, to Monday to War Games, episode number to the one, where me and Liam, Liam return to the, return the Monday Night, Night Wars, Wars of 2010 and watch Raw and Impact every week and decide which one was better. Joining me as always is my wonderful co-host Liam Jones. Liam, how are you doing right here in our Patreon exclusive episode? Ah, oh, yeah, money, am I right guys? Well, I was afraid we'd have no patrons, and we do have patrons, so I'm happy. <laughs> I mean, it's truly... Way more than what we can ask for So I'm
0: astounded that we've reached this point Where we actually have to do this You were like, ah, it's alright Nobody will sign up, we'll never have to do any of the content The one positive of us Losing all of our patrons
1: Will be that that's when this can end (laughs) (laughs) When we drive everybody away We don't have to do any of the content anymore Mm. You don't have to watch 2010 Monday Night Raw That was a fine show 2010 TNA Impact So if you're not familiar with the Wednesday War Games format, we're reapplying the exact same format.
0: (laughs) How are you not familiar with the Wednesday War War Nights War Games format?
1: It's also in the exact same podcast feed as uh, You've Got to Be Kidding Me. So the old episodes are still there. But we watch Raw, we'll watch Impact every, every two weeks in the weeks between episodes of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. And we will review both shows, decide which one was better, and we'll still pick a match of the week just for the sake of format. Sure. Very exciting stuff. 2010 Impact, Liam. I see you were watching it this time, as we mentioned on, on You've Got to Be Kidding Me. I don't know if I watched this episode,
0: though. Um, No, I definitely did, because I saw the Jeff Hardy segment. You were a big Jeff fan, weren't you? I don't know if I was a big Jeff fan, but I, I liked Jeff. How are you not, why, why do you hate Jeff Hardy? What did Jeff ever do to you? To be fair, as a big SmackDown guy mm. from the time, I was actually really into his, like, finally winning the title before he, you know, was murdered by CM Punk in Cold Blood. Unfortunately. And left. I guess at uh, this time it was probably the peak of my Jeff Hardy fandom, because um, that was when I was most invested in his like story. So yeah, I guess at this point, especially, I was a big Jeff Hardy guy.
1: Lots of things happen on these shows. Tra- transport yourself right the way back to 2010. Brrr, brrr. Thank you for the flashback noises, Liam.
0: 2010 hottest song. Oh, these are all australians
1: <laughs> the, those are the only ones that matter who needs the other popular songs
0: yeah that's right birds of tokyo the saddest thing i know 2010 triple j hottest 100 you big fans of you a big fan of birds of tokyo
1: yes i'm aware of those songs
0: mm, I've, I've seen them live in my hometown
1: oh i've never heard of them
0: you wouldn't have australian to the core
1: So, uh, this was a period of TNA where Dixie Carter had kind of ousted Jeff Jarrett, more or less. Because Jeff somewhat had, or at least wooed the wife of Kurt Angle, Karen Angle, and caused a, a great deal of strife in the Impact locker room. And for like Dixie, for the longest time, more or less, left the wrestling the side of the company to Jeff until now. And now she needed new people for the wrestling side of the company. Liam. So who else do you turn to in this time of need than Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff?
0: Yeah, <laughs> perfect records in the
1: biz, especially running it. Yeah, no no one with better records of running professional wrestling companies. So their big idea to launch Hulk Hogan's debut was their only idea ever. Eric just pulled the, one of his ideas out from WCW again because God forbid the fraud have any new ideas. They went head-to-head with Monday, WWE and Monday Night Raw. And it worked out
0: perfectly.
1: Yes, as we will discuss as we get into this series, nothing could possibly go wrong going head-to-head with a show that has like five times more viewers than you. <laughs> Usually we start with the t- person that won But Impact's the most interesting show More interesting show of the two So we'll start with Impact So Impact begins January 4th, 2010 With Bubba the Love Sponge I wanna fucking die You a big fan of Bubba the Love Sponge? I really? hate
0: this cunt so much yeah, Like You know what's bad? Because I'm, I'm busting out the big C word <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which only Australians can say legally Yeah, I hate him I hate this prick I, like with every like every time he's on the screen, I'm just mad. And like the first like maybe it wasn't this segment, but like pretty much uh, later on, he just like tells JB to get fucked
1: <laughs> in a way that's very rude, and he really shouldn't because JB, it's the JB,
0: he's JB. This whole show just felt like all right, all the like stars in quotation marks coming in and telling all of the TNA guys to get fucked, <laughs> move
1: over. <laughs> we got uh we got bigger things to do now. My favorite one to jump later to the show is the Daniels one, where he's like christy hemmies walks up to him and he's like christopher daniels people are are worried about their spot with all the people coming in and Daniels starts doing like 10 seconds of a promo being like i'm not worried about my spot until like jb interrupts him and tells him to go away (laughs) like yeah christopher daniels had just main evented the last two tna pay-per-views and you just treated him like the biggest dork in the history of the world
0: that's because everyone who wasn't in WCW or WWF is a gigantic fucking dork.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, like, that is the big problem. There's, well, there's many big problems we'll discuss as we get into the Hulk Hogan and There's Eric one Bishop big problem. Team.
0: It's fucking Bubba the Love Sponge.
1: One of the biggest issues was they very clearly had no idea who anybody on this roster was. Yeah. Christopher Daniels, who cares? AJ Styles, we know he's a guy. We might as well fix him and turn him into Ric Flair. Uh, Abyss, let's turn him into <laughs> Hulk Hogan. We'll, we'll do X Division, who cares about that? Beer Money, they'll be nerds for a while. Like, everyone went back to zero, no matter where they were beforehand. Like, uh, Desmond Wolf, nerd, all these people just went back to nothing because none of these people in charge knew who they were. Are you saying that uh, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff weren't starting their Kyoshi tapes mm. ahead of the, the big uh, rebranding? Maybe they weren't. They're sushi tapes. Maybe they got hand of future All Japan sushi mm. tapes. Or why did he do the sushi gimmick? I don't even know.
0: It was All Japan. I think even a little Wrestle One, oh. R.I.P. Not sushi. I think he's still alive.
1: <laughs> he's still going. Wrestle One isn't. Actually, I, I skipped the opening video package where they did their classic like TNA opening video package. It's like they said, we wouldn't survive. We wouldn't but- last six weeks, and then they said we wouldn't last six months. Well, here we are. But my favorite part of it was uh, a quote in this was. Who thought anybody would even care? <laughs> I'm like, well, I would have thought, you know, when you start a wrestling company, you would have thought somebody would have cared. You know what I wish? When they were, like,
0: showing all these highlights of, like, you know, their, like, prototypical N- uh, NWA TNA stuff, and, like, the asylum years. I wish it was just, like, AJ Styles debut puppet the psycho midget (laughs) like just all the highlights from those early shows you know the good stuff the real good stuff i don't know why like we're focusing on like these nerds like james storm Mm. if hogan and bischoff came back and they were all about
1: nwa tna nostalgia then they would have won the monday night wars (laughs) bringing back the flying elvises um, which they technically did a year later (laughs) great Jimmy Yang had a One Night Elvis comeback. Hell, One Night Elvis. I wish that was
0: the name of all the
1: One Night Only's. The worst part about the bubble the Love Sponge bit was he was interviewing fans, and that never turns out well. You know what everyone loves about pro wrestling? What? The
0: fandom. Ah, yes, of course. I think anyone who is a fan of anything is pretty much a piece of shit.
1: Except the people who are fans of this podcast?
0: Ah, I don't even know about that. That's even suspect to me. Like, just never like anything.
1: That's my advice to everyone out there. Uh, Classic nihilism.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, Mike Tanae and Don West open the show running down a card where they're like.
0: I'm surprised they even made it. I'm surprised, like, first thing they said was, like, all right, Don West, get the
1: fuck out of here. Wait, I said Don. It was Taz.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, there you go.
1: I clearly just have Don West on the brain.
0: That's why I was surprised, because it didn't happen. We did watch these shows. <laughs> I just want to... really want to emphasize that. Uh,
1: but yeah, they run down this card where they're like, Rhino will face Abyss in a Barbed Wire Massacre match.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was fucking...
1: Beer Money will face the British Invasion in full metal mayhem. And of course, we open the show at Steel Asylum. This would turn into a story on the show, which I will criticize later. But the thing about this, like, the, the only matches they announced going into the show were the ODB and Tower knockouts title match and the, the Steel Asylum. Nothing else was announced other than, of course, the debut of Hulk Hogan. So when they announce all these matches at the start of the show that aren't happening, it's like, oh, a barbed wire massacre yeah. is happening on this show? You know, the matches has only ever happened twice before this? And it's, like, it's actually a pretty cool matchup, too. Hmm. Then poor Rhino doesn't even get on this show. He's bumped completely. Oh yeah, because they they tore it up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's such a cool segment. Hey, we announced all these dope fucking <laughs> matches. Um, you're not getting any of any of them. <laughs> you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get Abyss and Samoa Joe going
1: like six minutes. That's that's the worst part of it because when uh, Mike and Taz are talking about the Joe and Abyss match, you're like, look what Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff has given you. It's Samoa Joe and uh, Abyss. It's like. We had a barbed wire massacre announced beforehand. This is a massive downgrade. <laughs> you know, I don't think it even clicked to me that all those matches were announced at the start. Yeah. It's like they ran graphics on the screen and everything.
0: Ugh. TNA. TNA.
1: Speaking of TNA, the most TNA match imaginable Alex Shelley, Chris and Homicide, Kiyoshi, Jay Lee, The Consequence Suicide, and Amazing Red faced off in. An X Division Steel Asylum match which if you haven't seen, it's their, their giant red cage that has a ceiling with a hole in the top and the first person to get out the ceiling wins and this match was an absolute disaster. I feel like
0: the stipulation could have maybe been saved if they just didn't make the top of it like an oval like if they just had of made it flat people could have like monkey barred to the middle Yeah, I don't know why they decided to make it like unreasonably high
1: because that adds to the drama of the match, Liam.
0: But like, yeah, I guess. But also, it stops the match from happening because no one can climb that.
1: Hmm, you raise a good point. And then, and then, like DQs. <laughs> yeah. You see, that's the worst bit. Like, the match is already over. If you've never seen this, uh, they they do like eight minutes of like standard X Division wrestling. The worst part of which is Alex Shelley is at one stage on the ceiling waiting for somebody to cut him off, and he's just kind of dangling there for like thirty seconds to a minute, and eventually Jay Lethal gets around to cutting him off and dragging him down. But the Homicide grabs a baton, swings it, gets DQ'd in a steel cage asylum match. ...in which there is, in theory, no DQs. And you think the DQ is the way to get around someone having to climb out of the cage. No. (laughs) If you're like, nobody in this match was able to get out, that's not true... ...because two of the people in this match, uh, Jay Lethal and Frankie Kazarian playing Suicide... Have one prior Steel Asylums, so two people in this match can get out of this cage. We have historical proof of this. I don't. I, I wasn't even sure this match had happened
0: before. Like I had no clue about Steel Asylum. Like I would seen it at the time, and I thought it looked cool, but I was like, "What?" the, the <laughs> I didn't know this had uh, an historic history of winners. Two of which were
1: in the match. Mm. But yeah, Homicide gets to the top of the cage, and he can't get out of the cage. <laughs> and then you get the poor Homicide, the longest seventy two seconds I think it is of probably Homicide's life where he's just at the top of the cage and cannot get out on live television in front of over 2 million viewers Homicide is dangling on this cage desperately trying to get himself out and it is the most uncomfortable television you'll ever watch. I can't imagine what was going through Homicide's brain. The crowds start chanting bullshit, which is a great start to your biggest episode of Impact of all time. That the opening segment elicits bullshit chants. And eventually, they just give up. Homicide just climbs down. They open the cage for him. And then Jeff Hardy shows up. <laughs> Did they send Jeff
0: out to try and save this segment? Or was he always planned to come out like...
1: To know fanfare, randomly while cameras were shooting things in the ring. I'd imagine he was always planned to come out, but the idea that Homicide is like, Haha, "I'm evil and running wild," and then Jeff comes out and waff- waffles him with a chair shot right to the skull. The man did not hold back and posed on top of this because, like, the image of Jeff sitting on the Steel Asylum doing his poses was pretty cool.
0: Well, uh, like, and also like, it's very clear, like you know, I, again. I don't really know what happens going forward but I don't think there's a big Homicide Jeff Hardy program coming out of this.
1: No, uh, Homicide's just a nerd here.
0: Yeah, so I imagine maybe that was the plan and then Homicide fucked up his push because he couldn't get the fuck out of the cage.
1: (laughs) And they're like, sorry Homicide, you don't get this match because you can't climb giant red bird cages.
0: Because like, Homicide Jeff Hardy would be a cool little program. Yeah, and Homicide was
1: kind of, sort of, being... He was Exhibition Champion a few months before this, so, like, he wasn't, like, a nothing entity on the show, but he he was mostly just an Exhibition nerd.
0: Yeah, the thing is, too, like, I've said it before, I might have even said it on the last podcast, like, Homicide's one of my favourite wrestlers ever. I love Homicide. And the idea of him and Jeff being, like, the first thing to come out of the Hogan and, and, um... Bischoff era of TNA would
1: have been, like, such a mindfuck to me. (laughs) Instead, he's just fought her for poor Jeff's debut and for not being able to climb cages. So was this Jeff's, like, actual return at this point? He would return full-time on the next episode we'll watch, which is the, the, the official kickoff of the full-time Monday Night War, because for some reason TNA waited two months to do another Monday episode. So he'd go two months without showing up again, but then he'd be back full-time in two months.
0: Fair enough. So he just showed up for that like initial pop, basically. Yeah,
1: because they, like, they were desperate to have the show seem special. And which is the reason they piled on as many like debuts and surprises and random appearances as they could. And in fairness, Jeff, it felt special. He's Jeff Hardy.
0: Was this um was he signed at this point, or was this just an appearance?
1: I think this was just an appearance, but they he was he, he was on the verge of signing because he had just left WWE. Like he was a huge star, and he left WWE willingly before all his like drug bust thing went down and he got arrested. But. He he did leave WWE willingly, and he was at the peak of his push. He was at the top of his like star power when he left WWE. So like Jeff was a huge star at the start of 2010. It can't be overestimated.
0: It was kind of like their um the equivalent of like Mox in AEW. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Uh, honestly, Jeff was probably a bigger star,
0: but didn't uh, pay off as well as Mox.
1: No, sure didn't, for many reasons. Some of which we'll get into <laughs> while covering on this uh, little uh, podcast series here. Ah, we are the
0: ones to talk about it. <laughs>
1: So, Kevin Ash was being interviewed by Christy in which he's just like, I'm the smartest person alive, I'll make more money because of Hulk, so I'm happy. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit, why would
0: he? This wasn't even a kayfabe interview, this was just Kevin talking backstage and they happened to catch it on camera.
1: Yeah, big Kev, he, he, he listened to your nihilism at the start of this podcast and he's like, yeah,
0: I'm just going to make my money. Me and Kev are on the same wavelength. So all these super crackers out there who are <laughs> scared of us. Me and Kev, we're coming for you.
1: All the super crackers that Kevin Nash and James Mitchell are coming for. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say Kevin Nash and James Mitchell should
1: team up. That's based That's a based tag team. ODB defeated Tara to regain the Knockouts title she had only just it lost. Sucked. <laughs> Pretty much every match on this show sucked. Yeah, well, except the one that's really good.
0: Yeah, I like how was this was this uh, match going on at like the same time as the Maurice and Nikki M- and Bre- sorry, Brie Bella match on Raw.
1: No, the, the uh, Raw was only two hours and Impact was three hours, so the first hour of Impact was unopposed. So this is what they put out there, unopposed. That's
0: actually, that's not a bad idea in theory, to have, like, that, first, that hour lead-in.
1: And yeah, you have, like, Jeff Hardy's debut, you'll have Ric Flair's debut in a second, you have Anaka's title change, so it's like, it's a notable show. Just not a good one. Not a good one, no. Uh, ODB had only just lost the title as well, she won a one-night tournament to get a title shot, and then won the title back. Who loves hot potato title changes? Everybody does, right? Ric Flair made his debut, so a limo just pulls Whoa. up to the building, and they're like, "Oh, it's a limo!" And then Ric Flair gets out of the limo, and everyone's like, "Oh, what the hell?" He shakes everybody's hand and he walks into the locker room with the phenomenal AJ Styles. What could this mean? Why? What's he setting up? What does Rick? What's Ric Flair doing in the Impact Zone, Liam? I have literally zero clue.
0: You know, it's like an interesting. Uh change of format between this and Wednesday Night War Games. What? That, like, Wednesday War Games is a lot of us, like, posturing about what they might do. Mm. And this one's like, oh, man, they really fucked this up, huh?
1: <laughs> you had Ric Flair debut, and it kind of was kind of terrible.
0: Yeah, it's like, if we were doing it, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, FTR debuted, I wonder if they'll actually do well here. <laughs> it's like, oh, Ric Flair debuted, that was shit.
1: Rick Fla- to be fair, there's some good, like, Ric Flair TNA stuff that we'll get into, because he's just a ridiculous human being who they let be ridiculous, as opposed to WWE who's like, you're a ridiculous human being, we're going to put you in a cage.
0: Yeah, we're going to rein you in and just make you a dad. Unless you're, like, banging down the divas in storyline. <laughs> divas. And knocking up. Well, I suppose that is a very diva angle, that's probably why it was in my head. But, like, yeah. The Fla- Flair man, he should constantly be completely unchecked on, on TV. Because yeah. a loose cannon is good for ratings and is good for my enjoyment. Maybe not good for ratings, but it's definitely good for my enjoyment.
1: They did at least like just to say, "Rick, you're Rick Flair, go for it." Mick Foley shot up to the building, and Christy Hemi was like, "Hey, hey, hey, there, Mick! You know you're not supposed to be here." And Mick is like, "I'm executive shareholder of this wrestling company. I should be able to enter the wrestling company, but security wouldn't let poor Mick Foley in."
0: Mick rules. Even like when he's like phoning it in for the
1: paycheck, he still rules. This is a weird era of TNA Mick, where he's obviously still there and still a part of the show, but like he feels like the seventeenth biggest star on the show. It's like we gotta find something for Mick to do, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I suppose he shouldn't really be the main focus of your show either. Mm. So like I think having like a Mick Foley being a mid card guy that like does cool stuff is just as fine. He should be feuding with homicide, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> everyone should be feuding with homicide. They should have, like, done that cancelled Moxley foley feud, but just put Homicide in the Mox role. I forgot about that. They teased that thing forever, didn't they? Yeah, they shot the angle at um, WrestleMania, like, proto-Access. Yeah. Where Mox comes up to him and, like, starts screaming at him about how he's ruined all these indie wrestlers' lives because he was killing his body. Which is, like, such a dope angle that never would have worked in WWE. Mm. (laughs) Like, that's the time where it's like you wish an AEW was around. Because like, I think at least they would have nailed the story beat to something with like a little more nuance.
1: And like, to be fair, the, the introduction of John Moxley on the main roster worked really well in The Shield. So you can't really give out that's like, oh, they dropped the ball on Moxley by not doing that Foley feud as his main roster debut. But
0: mm. also it would have been cool. Yeah, because, you know, Mick Foley is cool and
1: Moxley is cool. Bobby Lashley and Crystal come out. <laughs> this is dope. <laughs> I like this. So, so like huge baby face response everybody's into Lashley they're like Bobby 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 and then Crystal's like get fucked you nerds we don't want to be here anymore
0: <laughs> the best part about it is you know the new TNA Monday Night Wars first hour unopposed this is the new hot wrestling show Bobby Lashley and Crystal Lashley come out TNA shit we got better things <laughs> to do and they
1: fuck off <laughs> And they actually do fuck off. It's not a story. He just leaves. <laughs> like, he's gone for four years. But why would you do that? Like, you're you're
0: hyping yourself up to be this cool alternative. And the first thing you do is have an ex guy come in and say, TNA sucks, I'm gonna go fight in Bellator or whatever. So stupid. It's just so stupid. It's, it's it's really funny
1: there are so many things on the show that are just so stupid and it's just like why 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 would you have someone bury your own company and then he actually leaves yeah it's hysterical and also very sad it is because we have the distance of 11 years 11 years since this show so at least you know we can laugh at it and be like why would you do that why are you so dumb the damage has already been done. Who cares?
0: Mm, I was going to say, let's move on to the really cool recurring uh, storyline throughout the three hours. And that's what we're here to talk about.
1: Oh, I did forget to mention during the ODB and Tara match, the finish was ODB got a very, very large handful of tights, perhaps a too large handful of tights. So they had to cut away to like a shot of the Steel Asylum so they wouldn't show too much of Tara accidentally being exposed by ODB's large handful of tights. It was quite amusing.
0: This is really a banner show for the company, isn't it? It's
1: a train wreck. As you mentioned, the, we go backstage to the beautiful people who have started to do strip poker.
0: Yeah, and, oh, we're so bad at it. we
1: <laughs> I do enjoy Lacey. Like, Lacey's character, later in the show, she's just like, I, I get what I want by being pretty. And she's, like, yeah. she's self-aware about this. And I'm like, I'm into that. That's a good character. See,
0: like, I really do love the beautiful people when they are just self-aware. Because, like... It is, like, it's such, like, a blatant gimmick, but it's so, like, it's a lot of fun, though. Mm. And one of the best themes in company history. It's just annoying when they, I don't know, when they play it in the wrong way, you get what I mean? Like, Mm. there's two ways to play it. There's, like, with the self-awareness, and then there's just making fun of them. I don't like it as much when it's just making fun of them or objectifying them. I like it more when it's, like, tongue-in-cheek.
1: Yeah, because The Beautiful People is meant to be a satire of, the, like, the, the classic wrestling Mean Girls gimmick, so when it just becomes, like, the worst parts of the classic wrestling Mean Girls gimmick, or the the hot chicks gimmick, mm. it just becomes the thing it's satiring, and then it's bad. You could say that about,
0: like, everything TNA. <laughs> Like, I was gonna say, like, everything TNA when they, like, reference WWE stuff, but I was just like, oh, you know what, I'm just gonna cut it short. Just everything TNA. When they do it tongue-in-cheek and they're aware of what they're doing, it's really good, but when they just fall into the same tropes as everyone else, it's like, oh, no, you were so close to understanding what this was about. I guess, like, you could say the same thing about AEW, too. Hmm. God, they really are, like... The same company, just, like, modernized and, like, one's way better.
1: They're just work-rate DNA.
0: Yeah. It's like NXT work-rate main roster.
1: It's actually quite fun to see Mike Denae mention that uh, Impact is the number one trending topic. It's like, oh, we've been dealing with this for over a decade now. Thanks, Mike.
0: It's really interesting to go back and think of, like, Twitter's been around for so fucking long now. It was such a different
1: beast back then as well.
0: Mm. Do you remember when, like, Twitter first started, like, exploding big? Mm-hmm. Because wasn't it, it was like a celebrities-only app for a while there.
1: No, no. It was never.
0: Wasn't it? I thought it was like celebrities-only, like, oh, you have to be cool. And then, like, after that, like, they opened it to everyone and it just exploded huge. I don't think so. I'm gonna Google this. It was always
1: a public platform thing. Unless this is like, wrong. the very beginning. But, like, I joined Twitter in 2009, so. since you were a young person who wasn't alive when Twitter was founded.
0: Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was like for, at the start it was like 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 proto Twitter was like, hey, uh, only if you're famous. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of like real early verified stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's like back in 2010, they were still like number one trending topics and treating that like it means literally anything.
0: It just means that like. 4,000 people are tweeting about
1: it. Which is, hey, that's a good amount of people. 4,000 people should tweet about our show.
0: 4,000 people are going to tweet about this show. Nah, thank you. Right now. Hashtag, uh,
1: (laughs) fuck. That, that's the u h h h h h h h h h h f u c k is what the hashtag is
0: yeah that's the official
1: hashtag of the show but only of the monday night wars show so we finally get to the debut of hulk hogan and
0: why did he show up a fucking hour into the show he's
1: yeah he's circling the building they show shots earlier of him like driving around in his limo which apparently is literally just circling like the lot in universal driving in a circle a terrible
0: boss No wonder this show went off the rails in the first hour. He wasn't here to control anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Hulkster comes out. They set off an unnatural amount of pyro. It's going for like a full minute and a half. They're just like... Forever. Hulk comes to the ring and he does his rah-rah promo. He's like, what are you going to do, brother? The game changes now. Everything is better. I'm going to take this thing to the moon. Because he's a Wait a minute, guy. <laughs> I was going to say he was Cameron Grimes. He's Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes and Hulk Hogan do have a lot in common. Uh, <laughs> do they? Name multiple things that they have in common. They're, they're both wrestlers. Mm-hmm. That's a thing they have in common. They have both worked for TNA Wrestling. So that is two things they have in common. So they do have multiple things in common.
0: Ah, oh, you've got me there.
1: They they both have hair that goes back.
0: Yeah.
1: Except one is bald. They both have hair, but one is bald. They both wear trunks. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: No? Oh, you, you know what, you've, you've blown me out of the water with these comparisons They're basically the same person
1: uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash interrupt him Not uh, No, the other one, Sean Waltman and Scott Hall interrupt him Kev comes it's later banned. Hall and Waltman are like, oh, payday brother We're so happy to be here. <laughs> Which I love that they're like. Yeah, I was gonna say, it actually kind of rules though, doesn't it? Where they're like, Hulk is here and we're gonna show up And Hulk's gonna give us our payday Because Hulk's our old pal
0: <laughs> And he's like, no brother, there'll be no nepotism in this TNA Next segment
1: your game changes now no nepotism before eric bischoff comes out because there's no nepotism here we're all based on merit eric bischoff (laughs) comes out and he's like this is a new era and he takes the format he grabs the format from the person that ringside and tears it up and throws it up which by the way wrestling's fake guys (laughs) Mm. there's a whole format to this show there's a worse part of that we'll talk about there's a a worse eric bischoff wrestling is fake moment on the show backstage later which annoys me (laughs) But a uh, fun fact that actually that was the actual format of the show, which he ripped up and uh, threw into the crowd, which the crowd got, <laughs> and then he had to, they had to send somebody out to get the format back because it was the actual format of the show. It should have been
0: the fake format, like it should have actually had like the winner of the the Full Metal Mayhem, the
1: barbed Wire. <laughs> that would have required them to think it through. But yeah, this promo was terrible. Hulk did a standard rah rah speech, and then did this weird thing about nepotism and uh, the band's not getting back together. And wrestling is going to change. And we're just back in 2010. We're all the way back to Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash, and Eric Bischoff, doing the same thing they were 15 years ago, because God forbid these people have any new ideas whatsoever.
0: It's not even that so much for me. It's that you made this whole segment like poking fun at what people thought this might be, but then you just did it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, if you had have done this segment, and then... Actually, made a difference and focused on their original talent and didn't and wasn't completely embracing nepotism. I'd be like, All right, cool, that was a fun point, point. This is what you thought it was gonna be. We're actually not gonna do it, but you just did everything you said you weren't gonna do in this fucking segment.
1: You just use it saying it's not going to happen as an excuse for it to happen. Yeah, <laughs> we're just fucking stupid. There's nothing here that would like excite you, you know. It's just Hulk yeah. doing his Hulk Hogan routine, and like I like Scott Hall; he's the coolest guy on earth. So him doing like hey yos is always pretty cool, but it's still not something as like oh, I gotta tune into this show every week to see the latest drama between Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. I hope they can work it out and be friends. Shame Waltman didn't get a real run here.
0: He was just around there telling people to suck it.
1: Yeah. And that's generally what he's doing in any of these angles. It's like going all the way back to DX or the the original NWO. It's like, one's just there around telling people to suck it. (laughs) Getting booed. Uh, Sting was also shown on the rafters, by the way. He's looking on. Oh yeah, forgot about that. He's like, hmm, I'm monitoring proceedings. He's like, I oh know the NWO. This would turn into a year-long story where Sting would know what's happening, but we'll get into that. Awesome Kong and Hamada defeated Taylor Wilde and Sarita to become new Knockout Tag Team Champions in a really fun match. This match kicked ass. Yeah. They're a cool team. They're both cool teams. Taylor Wilde and Sarita, by the way, banger of a theme song. I don't remember it. Very energetic Bob. But yeah, they they, they did like cool double dives. The finish was a, a dropkick powerbomb combo. Kong and Hamada, cool team. Taylor Wads and uh, Sarita, cool team. Cool knockout side team the match. During the match, the Motor City Machine Guns died. Yeah. I don't I don't even remember what that story was. I don't even remember what the payoff was. Who was meant to attack them? Was it just meant to be the Nasty Boys? Uh, it was either the Nasty Boys or Hall and Nash, I think. Or Hall and, and attacking people. I like,
0: don't. again, right? Hey, here's this cool tag team that people really like from TNA first thing we're going to do, have them get laid out. To be fair,
1: it's the second thing they had them do. Oh,
0: after losing in the main event from a match that got a bunch of booze and had the dead reed guy come out and stand on, to- stand on top of everyone.
1: Yeah. We went backstage to more strip poker where Val Venus showed up. I hate this so much. <laughs> well, Sean Morley isn't a sufferable human being, so uh, no one wants to see him. I hate this so fucking much character. You're not a big fan of
0: Val? I was as a kid if I'm being honest. I'm like haha, sex, are you right are we right guys? He does sex, that's his thing. Um and I liked he did a splash and he uh, wiggled his dick around and that was kinda of neat, you know. But uh, I just I can't watch this in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one and not feel physical pain. <laughs> In my brainstem from having looked at this bold bitch. I fucking hate him. <laughs> and I hate where this is going because I know his feud.
1: Oh, yeah, that's... We actually will cover that, so we'll talk about it now because we'll be jumping straight to March. His feud is with Christopher Daniels, whom he beats. Mm. And the crowd turns their back on the ring.
0: As they fucking should. Why would you bring... <laughs> I get bringing in the big names, right? This is Val Venus. And you're bringing in the fucking Nasty Boys.
1: Well, you see, the big problem, Hulk Hogan had just done his Australia tour, where him and Flair did a bunch of matches. And for reasons beyond comprehension, actually, no, it's very simple. He didn't know who anybody was, so he signed all the people who were on his dumbass tour. So all the people who were on his shitty shows, like Orlando Jordan, like the Nasty Boys, like Val Venus, uh, and Mr. Anderson as well, I believe, was on those shows. All of those people were the people that showed up, because they're the only people Hogan and Bischoff actually knew. They weren't watching independent shows. They weren't like, we gotta sign Kevin Steen, we gotta sign El Generico, we gotta... Actually, well, they do bring in the Young Bucks the next week, but still, that was—that happened before they came in. We gotta sign all these hot indie acts that make our show fresh and, and, and dynamic and really push toward the future. <laughs> they were like, no, we'll bring in Val Venus and we'll bring in Orlando Jordan, because they're the only people we've ever heard of from our shitty shows.
0: <laughs> that pain in my brainstem is returning from talking about
1: this. <laughs> so, McFoley was trying to get in again, security guards were like, nah. But then the Nasty boy showed up, so that makes everything good. Mm-hmm. Matt Morgan and Hernandez squashed Raven and Dr. Stevie. Because mm-hmm. they were like, big men, they squash ECW guys, boo.
0: I mean, this one I don't mind, I guess, because at least it's like two TNA guys winning.
1: Yeah, well, Matt Morgan... Ugh. But Hernandez, yeah.
0: Yeah, but, like, you know, like at least Matt Morgan was a guy from TNA, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know there's he's a WWE guy, but, like, who, like no one knows him from fucking WWE. He's a TNA guy. Hey,
1: everyone's a fan of stuttering hero Matt Morgan.
0: Hey, just remember, everyone, go out there and support that uh, Free the Fucking Children, Save the Children show uh, that Matt Morgan's running for all it, his, his really
1: it. cool political friends. Uh, wrestling can never not be bad, can it? It just can't, it just, can't just leave us alone.
0: I think it's... You know, we always used to say this with like revenants that it's like, Oh, wrestling is the land of misfit toys, you know what I mean? We're like, Oh, this is where all the outcasts and the people who don't have things go, like this is where they go and they and they find their creative niche and they have these great times. But it's like no, it's just where all the fucking pieces of shit that get rejected from normal society go.
1: <laughs> they find refuge.
0: It's not ooh, this it's not like this uh Mythical land for all like people who just don't who don't understand me, Mum. You know what it is? It's just it's fucking assholes who have no <laughs> who have no social ability and get thrown out so they can get stuck in the fucking wrestling world because we have the lowest standard of entry out of any fucking form of entertainment in the world. And that's talking about the entertainment industry, which accepts fucking everyone, the worst of the worst.
1: So Christy Hammy is interviewing the Pope, <laughs> and Orlando Jordan interrupts him. And he's like, you remind me of me. And that's it. Oh, fucking great. Yeah. You remind me of a career failure mid-character.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I can't believe Orlando Jordan would come in and say such a mean thing to Pope.
1: That's, that's the cruelest thing. That makes him the biggest deal on the show.
0: Uh, this is also the first time that I actually realized
1: all the times that you've called Desmond Wolf D. Ruffey comes from the Pope. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, it comes from the Pope because he, got, he deliberately gets people's names wrong, so he calls him D. Ruffy.
0: Uh, and of course, the Pope uh, calling COVID... A whole decade ahead of time, wearing the mask. you yeah. got to appreciate it. Well
1: done, Pope. Foresight. Oh, that
0: should have been the big Matt Morgan feud. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: Rhino was also I just, attacked. I
0: put a muscle in my neck.
1: <laughs> <sighs> yep. Uh, main event was made for the show, like, at the top of the third hour, at the end of the second hour, maybe. Did you just skip the Pope match? <laughs> oh did oh yeah, Pope beat Wolf. It was two minutes long. Who could possibly remember?
0: Yeah, no, Pope and Wolf that have had like these whole things, it's like, yeah, two minutes.
1: Yeah, they got two minutes. And Wolf who had just come off the back of two huge matches against Kurt Angle. He's just losing the Pope. Wolf
0: who minutes. was over. Legit. Like they made they actually made a star with him in these angles matches and they're just like, eh, you know, lose two minutes, Pope. Eric Bischoff's never seen a Nigel Guinness match in his life. <laughs> nope
1: they threw it all away but yeah they made stars and angle for the main event which they which is a huge main event for the world title and they only make it at like you know two hours into the show so
0: yeah probably should have announced that immediately huh Mm.
1: it's
0: almost like uh, yep perhaps Mm -hmm. the big hogan coming out eric ripping up the schedule should have been the opening segment
1: yeah, so you could announce your world title match and people might actually tune in for it.
0: Yeah, you know, and then you could promise big surprises coming where it's chaotic, everyone's... Inv- you know what's funny about this show is like, it's the complete opposite of what NXT's doing right now it's like, chaos is bad, the whole show is bad because there's too much chaos, we need order. And Tino's you know, like,
1: nah, it's the opposite. Let's get wild. More chaos. Add chaos onto chaos. Which includes mm. Yoshihashi and uh, Tomohiroishi showing up and... Fucking wish. Or do I? Maybe I want better for them. Uh, so the, the string. Stream- Stranger statement on this show, Jeff Jarrett comes to the ring. <laughs> And on this big night, on the, the what will be the biggest night in TNA history, the most viewers in the history of TNA, will talk about that. We'll do ratings for once. That they at, after we talk about Raw, but Jeff Jarrett comes out and he's like, "We did it. We made it. People said we wouldn't do it, but we did it. This is our company. I led this company to greatness. It gave people like Beer Money and the Motor City Machine Guns and Daniels and Joe and Styles chances. Everything is great. Look how great we did. And the crowd are lapping it up.
0: Woo! Thank you, Jarrett." <laughs> <laughs> And even I was there. I was like, yeah, Jeff, Jared, you know what? You did do this. You know, Jeff, they said you wouldn't last six weeks, but you're here right now. I was in. I was fully involved
1: in this. I was like rooting for Jeff, Jarrett. As to be fair, if if there's one thing you can give Jeff, it's like TNA would not have existed without him, like. This company, nothing. He, he he launched it, he put his money where his mouth is, it's his creation, mm. and even though they failed multiple times in the way, it would not have been here had he not started it. So he he's taken his victory lap, his well-earned victory lap. And you know what? The man can cut a rah-rah TNA promo. Damn right he can. He's really good at it, isn't he? It's actually his best promo. <laughs> then Hulk Hogan appears on the screen. <laughs> you piece of <laughs> shit, Jeff. <laughs> Nobody cares, Jeff. What are you doing out here? You're just a nerd. You ran this company into the ground, brother. With your nepotism for guys like Beer Money. (laughs) We're getting rid of everything. Everyone back of the line. Everybody's got to prove their self-fear. And that includes you, brother. You're not a shareholder anymore. You suck. You're just going to be a wrestler. And probably not even a good one. And the crowd start booing. Once again, for the second time of the show, the crowd chant, This is bullshit at Hulk Hogan. Um, it's it's such an amazing... Because like, this segment was designed, apparently... That so that Jarrett was supposed to come across as like a little egomaniacal, a little self-absorbed, and then Hulk Hogan puts it in his his place. But instead, Jeff Jarrett comes out and seems like the biggest babyface on the show, and then Hulk Hogan buries him and gets booed.
0: You think like you know, there's a lot of experienced minds in wrestling in TNA as this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. None of them could look at that promo, look at the reaction, and go hey, Hulk, we might need to change it up a little bit
1: because the crowd seems really into Jeff right now. Pretty sure the founder of this company coming out and saying, hey, this night is historic. Isn't it great that we got here? Is probably going to get cheered. So when you come out and shit on him, you're probably going to get booed. Not even
0: like earlier in the day. Like while the promo is happening, you can see, you can hear the reaction. You can't just go to Hulk go, hey, man, think on your feet. We have to change this up a little bit because they like Jeff a lot. Nope. Like, there was no one there that was like, hey, we got to switch things up. Nope. This might be the worst angle on the entire show. It really is on a show full of terrible, terrible angles.
1: Like, the Steel Asylum is bad, but, like, that that was, you know, a thing that wasn't supposed to happen happened, and it ended up as a disaster. And maybe you could have foreseen it differently. You could have been like, well, Jay's won the match before, or uh, Frankie's won the match before, so we'll let them climb out of the cage and it'll be easier. There's things you could probably fix there. But as you mentioned, like, on live TV, Jeff Jarrett's out there be doing his Rowrap promo getting a huge babyface reaction. And they're just so stupid that send Hulk out there to bury him still. The as you said, wrestling minds who have been here for decades. Like you have Jeff Jarrett, you have well Jeff's in the ring, he can't do anything. You have Hulk Hogan, you have Eric Bischoff, you have Vince Russo, who's still kind of writing the show, that's a point of contention. And none of them are like, Foley! You shouldn't do this, Hulk. It's not gonna make sense. Angle flare <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the
0: Nasty Boys, Balvin, Belved- all oh, the legends of there.
1: What a terrible angle! It's the- <laughs> Jeff Hardy. <laughs> well, Jeff is probably too busy painting to be fair.
0: One of the best. <laughs> One of the biggest baby faces.
1: So we had that ah. we had that Daniels promo we mentioned earlier where he was like, I I have ability, but then JB's like, shut the fuck up, I have to talk to Mick <laughs> Uh Joe beats Abyss in a nothing match.
0: This man, I was actually excited for this match, and then it was just nothing.
1: Because they did hype it up. They were like, first time ever, Samoa Joe against Abyss, and it's just it's just a completely nothing match.
0: Well, so like why did it have like Abyss looked like a piece
1: of shit in this first match. Especially because they started pushing Abyss. Abyss was a guy they suddenly realised, like, oh, I like him, he's big, let's push him.
0: Mm. Oh, (laughs) gotta get to Eric Bischoff talking to the writers now.
1: Uh, The writers of this show, Garrett, because wrestling's fake. Yeah, because he he was talking to some production assistant or whatever, being like, hey, that segment's a little long, we should trim that. And I'm like, sorry? Why are you saying this on a, what?
0: (laughs) No, he was talking about uh, every segment.
1: He was like, uh, this um, this Jeff Hardy, Shannon Moore segment later where the teenage girls run up to them, it, sh- it should only be 90 <laughs> seconds, it shouldn't be like two minutes, you know? You should cut that short. Crystal also <sighs> walked up to him, and they're mad. Who cares? Beer Money also attacked. <laughs> but once said he knew who it was, but didn't tell us.
0: It's all the guys that helped format, like, who that helped make this company. <laughs> Even Rhino, like, came in, was champ for a while, had the whole run. Anyone you liked, just
1: fuck them. Nerds. Just- <laughs> He got Bubba the Love Sponge here instead. Yeah, the Nasty Boys. Did they have another segment? I don't even remember what this segment was. I remember the Team 3D attempt. This whole show was one Nasty Boys <laughs> segment. <laughs> like, I remember the Nasty Boys trash in Team 3D's dressing room, but I, I don't remember what this other retake was. Whatever, it doesn't matter.
0: Why were they Why were they sneaking back into the building? Did they get kicked out, and then they had to sneak back in again?
1: Apparently. Bubba the Love Sponge oh, is they're their they're so friend. nasty. Yeah, sure fucking is. Angle had an interview. He's gonna win the title. Jeff Hardy, actually, you know what? There's segments in wrestling where you're like, why are you making it so hard to make people stars? But like Jeff Hardy walking out of the building and then like a bunch of teenage girls running up to him and fawning. It's like, that That mm. just made him feel like a bigger star than anything else you've done with anybody on this show. For a guy fucking off for two months. Yeah, I mean, he gave him a nice painting though, so.
0: And he actually did paint it. We saw him do it earlier.
1: I, I like the so. idea that Jeff showed up, he hit homicide with a chair and he's like, you know what, spot a painting for a couple hours. Maybe that inspired him. Homicide giving is homicide a concussion so we finally settled into a real wrestling match where AJ Styles defended the world title against Kurt Angle in a banger how of a TV dare you match.
0: skip over another nasty boy segment I don't
1: care they trashed Team 3D's locker room because Team 3D were at Wrestle Kingdom so uh,
0: which I actually realized I did watch and was better than both of these shows
1: well there you go Angle lost the Styles they went like 30 minutes they went through like 3 breaks the match kicked ass until Ric Flair showed up for some reason and kind of stole its thunder with typical <laughs>
0: But to be fair, this was still way better than the pay-per-view match, which was trash.
1: The pay-per-view match was quite bad, yeah. It had much less energy and it was obviously much more built around Ric Flair in the end, as opposed to this one where they just went out and they kicked ass. Like, this, the crowd, to be fair, all night... This crowd were insanely energetic. They treated this show as, like, a really big moment, which is the reason they got really mad whenever, like, people shit on things they like or stuff like the homicide thing happened. they they chant bullshit and they had to be muted.
0: This would have been such an easy show to book. Emphasise all the guys that this crowd likes, have cool debuts like Jeff Hardy, and keep it simple. But they had to fucking Eric Bischoff all over the place, didn't they?
1: (laughs) The fraud had to show up, Liam, and fraud all over everything.
0: Hey! I hate, I hate it. Because it's the, the, you know, it's the everlasting TNA problem, isn't it? It's like, God, there's so like, there's like remnants of something real great here. But we have to pick the worst option at every corner.
1: Flair came out toward the last, like, third of the match, watched on and left before the finish. (laughs) He's like, I'm bored, I'm leaving. (laughs) But Styles retained. The Hulk Hogan came out after and said, "You just raised the bar, brother. That's the best match I've ever seen." Or whatever he said.
0: Let's do it again on pay per view on a really bad pay per view.
1: So McFoley finally got in the building, he confronted Eric Bischoff. He's like, "I'm never going to work for you. And if I'm going to be fired, I'm going to be fired for a reason." Which actually was kind of a cool line. McFoley seemed like a badass. It's like, if you're going to fire me, I'm going to beat the shit out of you and give you a reason to fire me. It's like, yes, Mick, good yeah, job. Yeah, which is dope. To take it back to the start for a second, as we're wrapping up the TNA portion.
0: Yeah, when I mentioned. TNA to you. Mm-hmm. What you. What would you say the big thing about TNA is That is really associated with TNA.
1: The phenomenal AJ Styles.
0: The thing that that helps it stand out from everyone else. Shark boy. That's right. The X-Division, right? (laughs) So on this first show back, right? This brand new time. We're going to boost it all. We should probably emphasize the X-Division and the X-Division champion, right?
1: Mm, You think so?
0: Mm, No, we should put him in a cage and have him not even be the guy who wins or not be the
1: talking point coming out of it. He's a completely irrelevant factor in that match. It's an amazing, it's amazing grant. Amazing Red is X-Division. We didn't even mention it. Amazing Red is X-Division champion. That's why I'm I'm just like,
0: it feels like this, this show is so easy to book. Just start with, like, fucking, I don't know. my Machine, guns and beer money, having, like, a 12-minute match. And then go into amazing Red defending the X title against Homicide. And then do your Jeff angle. Have your big Abyss Rhino match as the main. Or your AJ thing, if you want to do the AJ thing. It's just, it's so, it's match This show is so easy to book.
1: And it goes back to the problem we mentioned at the top, in that, like, Hogan and Bischoff just had no idea who any of these people were. So you still had, like, Russo kind of writing the show, but Hogan and Bischoff called the shots, so you probably have, like, Russo throwing in bits and bobs to people because, like, he did book the show for three years before this. Like, they didn't know who Amazing Red was, so they had no idea that, A, he was really good, or B, and how to present him as really good. Same thing with The Pope, same thing with even AJ Styles, same thing with Daniel, same thing up and down this show. They had no idea who any of these people were, they had no idea what made any of them special, so they couldn't build a show around them. Was squashes such a, a big part of TNA television at the time? Not really squashes, it's just short matches, because they were too busy doing lots of talking segments. They didn't really do squashes.
0: I mean, like, having like, multiple two-minute matches on a show... The norm.
1: yeah, kinda.
0: Okay. I was just curious, because like, I didn't know if that was like something that was immediately thrown onto the table, because we have to have 50,000 talking segments.
1: Because like, But it's not like... This, this is the reason, and I'm going to talk about this more as we get deeper into this this series. Like, like people are like Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff killed TNA, which is a thing I've always pushed back on, but maybe after watching the show, won't push back on as much anymore. Well, they surely didn't help. They sure didn't help. No, they, they exasperated all of the problems. But... Before that, Vince Russo was writing the show. So, like, the show was still, like, five-minute matches, followed by 15-minute promos, followed by two-minute pre followed by five-minute match, followed by 15-minute promos. Because that's the way Vince Russo writes television, and that's the way wrestling was. So, like, a lot of the problems that were on this show already existed. A lot of, like, the need for worked shoot stuff with Bobby and Crystal Lashley, where they think the show sucks, or the, the freaking Scott Hall and Kevin Nash things, the Mick Foley, Jeff Jarrett stuff, all that was already on the show. So, like, they just exasperated all the worst elements of the show, is what I'm now realising. Like, they, they they came in, they looked at what TNA was, they took all the worst bits, and amplified them. Which is mind-boggling. Added a healthy, healthy dose of nepotism on top of it all. All these freaking Hulkamania tour nerds showing up, like the Nasty Boys and the Orlando Jordan that nobody could possibly want. But nah, we'll have beer money be beaten up. All we'll see of beer money on this show is them lying on the ground. We gotta see, like, six different Nasty boy pre-tapes.
0: It's just so nasty.
1: <laughs> Mick Foley got beaten up by Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, and Shaw Waltman. And then Hulk walked in and was like, Grr, "Grrr, made a mean face and they went off the air.
0: Wrestling's cool.
1: That's impact. Let's go to RAW. Yeah. Which opens up with the like legitimately historical moment of the return of Bret Hart for the first time since Montreal. He hasn't he hasn't been on Monday Night Raw in thirteen years. Uh, well 12 really he showed up he hugged Shawn michaels and they had a nice reunion this was fantastic i will pick one like weird problem with this in that like brett comes out and he calls out Shawn, and brett's like you know what let's bury the hatchet i forgive you and then Shawn is the one that spends like five minutes doing a monologue about how he's struggling to accept this forgiveness it's like dude you were the one that screwed him He's the one extending the olive branch here. Give him a hug and shut up. But that's why I kind of
0: like it, because the subtlety of it all, like, you know, weird case of debris subtlety, right? It's like, like, yeah, Sean is the piece of shit in this scenario. <laughs> and even to the day it, he fucking dies, to the day that this fucking beef dies, he was the piece of shit mm-hmm. during this entire thing. And that's what I kind of liked. Like, I, I sent you the message when I was watching it. I was like, yes, I love seeing dirtbag piece of shit Sean show up. In these little moments. It's tremendous. And a crowd that cares.
1: If Bret Hart returned for the first time in, in 12 years and the crowd didn't care... I would be quite worried. But yeah, the crowd are super invested. In They're super invested in Brett.
0: This could have never happened. And Brett could have shown up like in 2021 and would have got cheered for like, the first five minutes.
1: Mm, and then they would have turned on him for some reason.
0: <laughs> they would have sided with Sean when Sean came out and was like, you're a
1: whiny bitch. You know what the weirdest thing about this wrestling show was? A lot of it. But like, it wasn't like a particularly good show. It wasn't like a, whoa, these matches are great or these stories are great. But it was just like a a functionally competent pro wrestling show.
0: I think... What really helps it, it was an hour and a half. Which,
1: yes, it's two-hour Raw, which is an era that we should go back to because three-hour Raw is unbearable. But, like, it's just so weird to watch a WWE show that while it doesn't have a ton of energy, it doesn't have, like, hot angles or good matches, it is at least, like, a coherently structured, logical pro-wrestling two hours of television... And you just don't get that
0: anymore. It's funny, like, to go back and tell this to 2010 yourself, right? It's like, this is, like, good as it gets, bud. <laughs> it only totally goes downhill from... Actually, it went up a
1: little with the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Yeah, like,
0: I I, I was more saying that for, like, the overarching, you know, uh, de- start of the decade, end of the decade thing. But uh it's like, like you know, this is... We would be so happy for this now.
1: <laughs> mm. Especially, as you mentioned, just these two-hour shows. They're so much more pleasant. <laughs> like, I had fun watching this.
0: Yeah, I put it on. I got some great gifts of people's faces throughout the night. <laughs> I had a wonderful time watching this show.
1: But it's it's interesting to see WWE counter program impact with something like this, as big like Bret returning to Raw is huge. It's gigantic. It's like there are very few things bigger than Bret Hart returning to Raw. <laughs> that they could have counter-programmed Impact with. So it's interesting to see that, you know, they actually took it seriously.
0: Uh, was this, like, a thing that they did because of the TNA announcement, or was this something that was planned for, like, Mania already?
1: Well, maybe they they had it on, like, the books that Brett was coming back. But, like, obviously, Impact announced they were moving to Mondays and something like, I think it was, like, October, November. So it's already new for weeks. And, they like, they obviously put it on this show as a counter-punch. like counter punch. It was, like, it went head-to-head with, with Hulk Hogan. Like, Hulk Hogan coming to the ring went head-to-head with this segment, with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels making amends. So, like, they they very much counter-program. Mm, fair enough. Josh Matthews is interviewing Vince. Vince is gonna <laughs> this call This road. This
0: whole segment road. Vince is the best piece of shit of all time. <laughs> this is why people love the Vince character for moments like this. I just, I was just in a meeting, pal. I didn't see, Brett was out there?
1: <laughs> I wasn't listening to Brett. Huh?
0: <laughs> the idea that like this gigantic
1: moment in this company and Vince is like, oh, no, I had to take a meeting about <laughs> uh, merchandise. <laughs> Melina's been stripped of the, the title because she's injured. There's an eight Divas tournament starting. Oh,
0: it's the Divas.
1: In which we got a two-minute match between Maurice and Brie Bella. Brie mode!
0: Maurice outsmarted Twin Magic.
1: Oh, yeah, she saw it coming and she won with her DDT.
0: With a very exaggerated look, which I appreciated.
1: Uh, speaking of very exaggerated looks.
0: Yeah, can I talk about my
1: favorite part of this show now? <laughs> Mike the Miz Mizanin comes out.
0: First of all, something the gimmick so here is that he's like negging Maurice, right? Yeah. She is so into this man. <laughs> I have never seen two people so sexually attracted to each other in my life. And you know what? Fair play to her. Like, I don't get it, it's The Miz, whatever. But clearly it worked for her, because she was giving him some of the most blatant fuck-me-eyes I have ever seen on a nationally televised program. To a whole new level, this was. Fair play to The Miz, fair play to Miz. They are my OTP. I ship <laughs> Miz and Maurice Because that was pure, unadulterated attraction right there.
1: Well, they got married after, so clearly. I,
0: I actually think I remember, uh, it might have been... Maurice on Renee's podcast, she was talking about like this was like one of the moments where she's like, Oh, I, I'm i head over heels with this guy, was during this promo with his terrible French. And you can see it. You can see it in her
1: eyes. It would lead them to marriage. It would lead them to a reality show. This is the genesis of Ms. and Mrs. I like, like how you skipped
0: over, you know, the children. Ah, uh,
1: who needs children? The
0: reality show is the important bit. I just, this also, I was like, You two, you kids, gotta have, yeah, have fun. <laughs> I felt like a, like a proud father. <laughs> I was like, ha oh, get out there and go get married and have a thousand grandkids for me. <laughs> uh, Good stuff. This is going to make me like The Miz. It's just saying, it's like, wow, that man is, is in a very loving relationship and
1: I appreciate that. This is really the only big point of legacy from this show, isn't it? Miz and Maurice. That's, that's the legacy of the January 4th, 2010 Monday Night Raw. You say that, but then, like, the next match... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Despite being the most 2010 match imaginable, I think.
1: Yeah, this is like the last mid card of the decade, the match, where it's MVP Jack Swagger, Carlito, and Mark Henry.
0: We got two guys that have wrestled
1: for WWE in the last two years, and two guys that are in AEW. The two Royal Rumble surprises, analysts of AEW Rampage, and inner circle member and MMA giant J.K. Girl, all in one match.
0: A uh, Hurricane Rana taking MMA fighter, <laughs> Jack Swagger.
1: Yeah. That match was good, though. Oh, this gives us an excuse to talk about Wardlow on this series as well, though. Wardlow. 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 Anyway, you were saying.
0: Love Wardlow. They're actually... Sorry, to to delve into AEW for a second. Because this is... We can talk about... It's behind the paywall. No one will hear it. Uh, Yes. Like, four people will hear it. Uh, They're teaming Wardlow with Sean Spears
1: now. (laughs) That's upsetting. Shouldn't be allowed.
0: The most upsetting tag team I've ever seen in my life.
1: Wardlow Wardlow shouldn't even have a partner. It should just be Wardlow.
0: Well, let's be real. In, like, four months,
1: Wardlow should be tearing his way through all of the pinnacle as a babyface, so and then becoming champion, and then winning the belt, and then losing to Hook. It should be the, the career-pad trajectory of Wardlow. You're going to be so upset if Hook's bad. Hook is going to be the best wrestler ever. Uh, there's no chance that anything else is going to happen. Hook rules. Hook gang Hook for life. Hook should go to Gleet and wrestle UWF style. Look, Hook against Lindemann would be, like, the best match in the history of wrestling. Give me Hook versus Show in, in Gleet. MVP became number one contender to the mizs United States title by beating somebody. Hootie pin Swagger.
0: With the fucking, like, overdrive.
1: The, the playmaker. Fucking terrible move. The, I can't think of a finish, let's do the baby's first finish finish.
0: This was like, four minutes long for for a fatal 4 Number
1: one contenders match for the United States Championship.
0: With The Miz on commentary.
1: So, Chris Jericho goes into Brett Hart's office, and he's like, Alright, Brett, I have... I loved this. I have a plan. Listen, this is your chance to get back at Sean, after all those years. So how about we do a little screw job tonight, huh? Huh? Huh?
0: And Brett's like, listen... Jericho. I'm not some bitter piece of shit like you. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to help you. And by the way, you are the biggest bitch in the dungeon.
1: <laughs> I do like the implication that Bret Hart is not bitter. Yeah,
0: the least bitter man of all time. Jericho in this moment too was like, I forget which brother he said, but he's like, I beat up the uh, fucking Bruce. <laughs> I beat him up so good. (laughs) And then Brett's like, actually, he made you squeal. (laughs) And then Jericho just, like, backs down because he is a little whiny bitch, which is great. I do like the series of Jericho where he's just, like, a
1: sniveling heel.
0: Yeah, it's like he's, he's out of the, like, big word stage. And now he's just, like conniving, sniveling little heel guy. And
1: he's not trying to be cool, he's not trying to be, like, super funny, he's not trying to be, like, ha-ha, I'm the star of the show, he's just, like, he's the butt of the joke.
0: And, like, the reason it works too is because, like, this is, like, one of three gimmicks WWE can do really well. Yeah. <laughs> they know how to book a sneaky heel.
1: We got a horn swoggle who's hanging out with DX. Of course we do. Playing with toys. He's playing with toys, because he's a literal dog child, I think. He's a child, and then he be- becomes an attack dog. hmm that's normal. So uh, DX are doing a promo.
0: The only thing I like about this is that Triple AAA could not give less of a fuck about the Montreal
1: Screwjob. <laughs> he is thoroughly. He's moved like, on. did you
0: finish your fucking shit? We got a tag match. <laughs>
1: He's like, stop making a Stop making like historical wrongs righted. We we got a tag title match here against Jericho. So sort their shit out.
0: Well, it's like Sean came in and he was like, shook up still, like a, a little like. No nerves on the, <laughs> the. Triple H was like, "All right, grow up. We've got over it. We're gonna go defend our unified tag team titles."
1: Which they did. They defeated Jericho, and I, I really, enjoyed, I thought it was a good tag title match.
0: Yeah, and this is the if Jericho loses, he's stuck on SmackDown because uh, it was the, the the joint brand tag titles. So that was his way of staying
1: on Raw. <laughs> I love the, how bad that was. There was like, I can't possibly go to SmackDown,
0: no. No, 09 was like the big Ray feud, right, on SmackDown? Yeah. Okay, so we, what did, did he end up just staying on SmackDown? What did he do on SmackDown? Well, there
1: was that era where he was trying to sneak into Raw, if you remember that. he have all kinds of disguises and whatnot. This That was directly after this. Yeah. But like he was tag champs with a like, which, which, uh, Big Show for a decent period before this, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, that's what that's what the whole thing was. That's the reason he was on Raw was because they won the co brand tag title.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like that's what he was doing on SmackDown for a while.
0: Yeah, I meant like after like once he loses this shtick, like does he, does he fuck off
1: for a while? Or? I don't remember. We'll we'll find out when we jump two months into the future and see if he's still there. <laughs> we're not gonna watch SmackDown though, so we're not gonna see. I'm sure they'll mention it anyway. This was
0: this was okay. It was it was a house show match.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a good little title match. Yeah, it was alright. Randy Orton's giving out about Vince. He'll be facing Kofi Kingston tonight. I kind of like this. Because he's like, listen, do me a solid. I'll kick Brett in the head. You want me to kick Brett in the head? You want me to kick
0: him in the head? I'll kick him in the head. Well, what I appreciate it too is like, he goes up to Vince and he's like, and Vince is hey, he's like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. You spent the last year murdering my family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to... I don't like you. And then Randy's like, listen, I know... I like punted you and your son and Shane and your daughter and <laughs> get it. Cause I did a good thing with triple H and I RKO'd and then like kissed Steph. And like, there was a whole thing, but, um, listen, I know you're a sociopath, so you want me to go out there and kick Brett for you?
1: <laughs> and then Vince is like, thinking
0: about it. It's like, no, maybe no, 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 no.
1: See, that's a good character though. It's like, listen, we're all pragmatic here. Give me the spot in the Rumble, and I'll kick him in the head. Yeah. I, I, was, I remember, to
0: go back to 2010 for a while, I was so into the Red Jordan mcmahons feud. Yeah, that was good stuff. I'm the, I'm the reason they rolled the McMahon stuff out for the next decade.
1: You're the problem.
0: Mm. That was in the time where I saw Orton and Triple H live. Ooh. As a wee bab.
1: And your, your, your wrestling tastes were influenced forever.
0: <laughs> yes. By that match and uh, William Regal versus Santino.
1: Ah, classics. Mm. Seamus came out. He's given out. Hey, oh, yeah, he's a thing. He came out to his "Too Many Limes" theme, which is the much better theme song. Too many limes. Too many limes. Oh, uh, this is when like he like
0: John Cena fell through a table and he was WWE champion. Yeah, what a time. Uh yeah. I uh, see. I was really excited for this. I was like, oh, cool. We're gonna get a Seamus Evan Bourne match. Little did I know.
1: Listen, what happens when small people wrestle and big people in the world wrestling entertainment, Liam?
0: Like it was the most blatant version of this ever too, wasn't it? Mm. Big man, little man. God, Evan Bourne was really cool at this time. I liked Evan Bourne. He was shooting a thing. Why wasn't Evan Bourne a thing? The thing was right in ECW. He was like one of the few guys that was actually getting over yeah. <laughs> because he was objectively cool. And then they brought him over. They did that really cool um, match at the draft where it was him and versus Ray, and people were really into that. And then I think there wasn't the plan for a while that they were going to team them together. And then. um... They didn't do that. Okay, <laughs> Remember that he won the the fucking vote at the Cyber Sunday to face like Matt Hardy or something when it wasn't supposed to be him? Or was it Jack? It was someone, remember? It was like he was one of the three options and he won
1: and they were like, oh, <laughs> he won. <laughs> it's a classic TNA syndrome. It's like, he, or even WWE as well. He wasn't supposed to get over, so we'll, you know, bury him.
0: Yeah, so Seamus wins and we get a way classier, like, rest-in-peace segment than we ever get nowadays.
1: Yeah, where they pay tribute to Dr. C. Williams and showed a little, um... Did they show a graphic? No, they didn't do a video for him, though. They usually do videos for people.
0: But they did, like, a sit-down, two-minute, like, little segment actually talking about him, which is something you don't really see nowadays. Yeah,
1: it's, like, graphic on the screen, video, move on.
0: And this was the era, too, where, like, they weren't doing it for, like, a lot of people. And people were getting real fucking sick Mm. of it. Especially, like, with Umaga, who was just employed.
1: It's it's the literal least they can do as well. Like, it's the least they can do.
0: Well, considering it's guys that are out there, like, not so much Dr. Death, but, like, you know, Immigrant am Guys that were in there ruining their bodies for this company for a decade. And you're just like, ah, eh.
1: That's part of the reason they probably didn't want to mention it. And they're like, uh, these people died in far too young. We don't want people to add to and do together there and maybe criticize us over it.
0: Yeah, but everyone knows. <laughs> no one thinks that these guys are like, Healthy.
1: <laughs> that's a sad statement.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunate, and that's why these guys should be getting paid a shit ton more than they are. And with a shit ton more healthcare than they get.
1: In our Some Things Never Change main event, Randy Orton beat Golf of Kingston.
0: <laughs> I should have seen my reaction when I saw that this was the main yeah. event. I was like, holy yeah. shit. It is the same damn company, just booked
1: way worse. Huh? Everyone is 11 years older.
0: How weird was it seeing little baby Cody
1: Rhodes again, huh? I know, it's like legacy year, it just feels so long, and it is so long ago, it's like 11 years ago, like that's an age in wrestling, yeah. but god. It's it's even like 12 years ago, because didn't they, they form in like 08, 09? Yeah, they were r- moving toward a breakup here, weren't they? They were like, he was chastising them, he was like, hey, you watch me wrestle.
0: I don't even know if it was this match, but they did a like a three-way at Mania, which I've... I must have blocked out of my mind because I didn't know that this happened. Was that this year or the next year? I don't know if it was this year or the next year. I just know that they did it. And when I realized that they did that, I was, like, shocked. (laughs) But, um, yeah, this was actually kind of a cool little segment where DBRC and Rhodes were standing up to Randy and they did the the opposite of what was the stip last week. Not, like, an official stip where they're like, hey, Randy, you lose. We're going to kick you out of the fucking group. Yeah. Which is a cool little turnabout fair play. The guys that Randy's had under his thumb for these last few years, finally standing up against
1: him. Only to lose at Mania, but whatever. <laughs> there was, of course, subtext to the Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton part, if you remember the stupid, stupid period
0: of Randy Orton and Kofi Yeah, Kofi I, I, wasn't feud. that next week? Was it? I thought that was before this. I'm pretty, I thought it was next week, because I think next week's the triple threat where it happens.
1: I thought that, that was like late 09, where he chastises Kofi for being stupid.
0: It could be. But I I remember I Googled it when this match was happening because I was like, is this the match? Like, briefly, I was like, is this the match where this happens? I think it's actually next week's match, mm.
1: but I could be wrong about that. And then we go to our, our final segment in which Vince comes out and then Brett comes out and Vince does a big speech, makes it seem like he's building up to apologizing. They then do, and then he knees him in the balls. Yeah, it's great. It's good. It's good stuff. And
0: they, like, like Vince's. The problem is, like,. The McMahon stuff is so overplayed, and it's annoying, and it's shitty, but Vince is so good at it, isn't he?
1: He's very good, yeah. He's just, he's, like, he's the, he is legitimately one of the best pro wrestling heels of all time, so, like, you just put him out there, he's, he's a performer, like, far and above, like, pretty much everybody, even, like, the good people on the show, Vince, like, stands head and shoulders above, like, even people like Triple H, like, Vince is such a better performer than Triple H is. It's, like, maybe... Sean and Jericho are the only two people on his level. Yeah, yeah. I'm like
0: going through the card, just like from what happened on this show. It's Sean and Jericho are the only other ones
1: really on his level, and the rest are just desperately. And uh, maybe Maurice's chemistry with Miz. I think that's a Vince McMahon level chemistry there. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh... Well, yes. <laughs> Yes, definitely 100. That was that was the highlight of the show, so it must be, you know. Yeah, it's it's the the most memorable thing coming out of this episode. So it's the, it's the thing
0: that I gift the most coming out of this episode <laughs> and post it on Twitter. <laughs> Actually, no, to be fair, I did post <laughs> Brett breaking like the fourth wall and staring directly into the camera and smiling after Jericho left. Mm. Oh, that cracked me up so much because he does he's he's like shakes his head like ah oh, that scamp looks into the camera and goes hmm. With his sly
1: smile. Clearly a big fan of The Office. (laughs) A trendsetter. Uh, so that sets us on the way to Bret Hart vs. Vince at WrestleMania. Which, I'm not sure where the running over with the car angle... To set them. I think that might be in one of the episodes we cover, because we're going to be jumping to March. I hope it is, because it's terrible and I want to bury it.
0: Because, <laughs> like, it's such an easy story, right? There's no need to go, like, so crazy, so opera with it.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: that's, that's WWE. You could have built to Bret, Vince at Mania with literally just promos. They didn't even need to be in the ring against each other. Hmm. Like... You could have just had them each cut, like, do this segment, and then just, from that point on, promos backstage, promos backstage, have Vince have his, like, big boys beat up Hart
1: family members that aren't Brett. Boom. Mania. TNA was watched by 2.2 million people, as opposed to Raw, which was watched by 5.6 million people. You might think that's, like, (laughs) 3.4 million people as a gap, but no one expected the gap to be that small. People expected TNA to get creamed a lot more on that night, so it was broadly considered a good success for TNA where
0: is AEW in comparison hmm?
1: yeah they don't have anywhere near that the peak minute was the first minute of the 9pm hour as Hulk Hogan came out were 3.36 million people tuned into Jesus Impact. Christ
0: and immediately tuned out
1: and they were all gone by the knockouts tag team title match it's actually fun to see the quarter hours where that match lost like 800,000 viewers
0: alright <laughs> okay, I'm gonna present to you uh, a question shoot with uh, hindsight 2020 or whatever the fuck Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one glass of wine I've had has really kicked my ass. Towards the end of this, you have perfect hindsight. You know what the scores are going to be, what the ratings are going to be, right? Yeah. You b- book the following the follow up segment to the Hulk Hogan segment. What is your segment that keeps people around?
1: Jeff Jarrett walks out and he's like, "Hulk, you're fired." <laughs> We only wanted you to pop a rating, and now we're going to show you what the Motor City Machine
0: Guns can do. Oh, see, this show is so much better. Okay, now with the the slight
1: purview that you have to keep everyone employed. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what the Hulk. I don't know what the good Hulk Hogan era TNA looks like because it's hulk hogan he's like this all-encompassing figure there's a gravitational force around hulk hogan that pulls everything back to him so it's very very yeah. and he he designs it that way this is intended to be the way hulk hogan operates so I, I really can't think of a version of hulk hogan's tna that doesn't just end up being the hulk hogan show do you think
0: perhaps it would have helped if in the hulk hogan segment it involved people who weren't in the NWO, and we're in fact, like, young TNA talent coming out to have this kind of thing with him. Like, this back and forth. And you you can argue that they tried that. Yeah, but you gotta do it on the first episode, or what's the fucking point of doing but it? But
1: no, like, he came out at the end of the Styles and Angle match to tell you that, you know, these guys are the guys, and they're the guys you should pay attention to. But then they started trying to fix AJ, and, like, they turned him into a mini version of Ric Flair. So, he, like, even then, like, that didn't go anywhere. It's just... They didn't know TNA. They didn't know what made it special. They didn't know what made people care about it. They didn't know what people were frustrated about it. They just couldn't identify any of that, and they couldn't fix any of it, or they couldn't appeal toward the stuff people liked. They just didn't know the company. Do you the think company. they cared? Do you think they actually cared about, like, building this thing up, or do you think it was just a payday? I think Hulk, Hulk didn't care it was payday. I think Bischoff slyly wanted to be right about some things. Like he never got the X division and he's like my vision of the way wrestling should be is is better than the one you were doing, and I just want to be right, which is the reason I'm gonna change everything. It wasn't like it's it's better or it's more suited to the times. I think he just wanted to be right. So not even vindiction to like the Fed. No, it's just, it's just ego. It's just ego. Yeah.
0: <sighs> ego. Aries who was an ego? No, that was bad influence and in root.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. But, like, to to go back to it, like, when Raw and Impact went head-to-head on the first quarter hour, 5.463 million people watched Raw, 2.866 million people watched Impact, for a total of 8.329 million people watching wrestling for that quarter hour. Which is unfathomable these Insanity. days. Insanity.
0: Well, it's also insane, right? Like, to TNA's credit, they got a uh, 2.8
1: million people not to watch... Bret Hart's WWE return like that that was actually one of the lower rated quarters on the first hour of raw because it went head to head with 2.8 million people watching impact
0: I wonder if if Vince was like Brett's done we can't do anything good with him clearly can't draw the highest
1: rated uh, quarter of raw is the top of uh, the 9pm hour which was the DX against Jericho match which had 6.3 million viewers impacts 1.7 so clearly Triple H is the bigger draw than Bret Hart here
0: (laughs) Oh, Triple H was right all along. Well, what was that big Brett quote about Triple H? Where he's like never had a match like above four out of ten?
1: I love Brett. Brett's saltiness is my favourite. See,
0: I it's like it's in this weird middle ground right where you're like, You're bitter, but I get it. Yeah. Because I don't I also don't like the company you're bitter at.
1: So Go off, King. You deserve to be bitter. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll do some quick like gains and losses. So, the the Hogan and Waltman Nash segment, the Hogan debut segment, gained impact two hundred fifty eight thousand viewers against the Hart and Shawn Michaels segment. The Taylor Wilde and Sarita against Austin Kong and Hamada match lost eight hundred eighty thousand viewers to Maurice and Frebel. <laughs> eight hundred eighty thousand sexists. Hey, they went to watch Maurice. Clearly, they were just Maurice's oh, googly eyes for Miz is is now empirically great. I would have switched the channel for that too. Strip poker plus the Morgan and Hernandez against Stevie match <sighs> gained one hundred eighty two thousand against the US How? title number one contendership match.
0: How did that gain anything?
1: Because women were threatening to show their boobs on TV. Threatening. I'm gonna do it. You better stop that or I'll do it. Pope and Wolf lost 394,000 viewers to DX and Hornswoggle. Uh, Hulk, The Hulk-Jeff segment gained 15,000 viewers versus DX and (laughs) Jarrett-Joe. There you go. Joe and Abyss gained 61,000 against Seamus and Evan Bourne. Uh, the, The first half of Angle and Styles lost thirty thousand to Kofi and Randy, but then the second half gained hundred and sixty seven thousand against Vincent Brett. So that's how the ratings shaked out.
0: I wish Evan Bourne was in the X Division instead.
1: Yeah, imagine him against Red kicking ass on these shows. <sighs> dive He wouldn't become X Division champion for another eight years, Evan Bourne.
0: Yes. Good stuff.
1: So yeah, that's our first episode. Oh, we have to do uh show of the week. I'm still going to give Impact Show of the Week. (laughs) You're fucking insane. (laughs) Listen, if you were like, which of these shows did I find, like, more interesting and enjoyable to watch? It's Impact. Even if there's some stuff that's, like, ridiculous and bad, I'm, like, I'm more interested in it on the train wreck level than like the raw standard US title number one contenders match which I'll never remember I will remember Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett's segment I will not remember uh, Brie Bella against Maurice. oh you were gonna say the Miss Maurice segment you son of a bitch the the post match is memorable the match itself not so much
0: Garrett you're insane and your TNA bias is showing WWE was a way better show (laughs) and mainly because even though like the WWE show was pretty mid but the TNA show was fucking awful and I hated it, and I don't want to watch
1: it. Well, we don't have a poll anymore, so it's a tie. Uh, match of the week? We can make we can make it a poll. No, we, we can do Patreon polls. Well, it's too late. We're recording. <laughs> I mean, but like we can put it up still. Yeah, we might do that during after it goes up, so you can decide. We'll mention it in the next episode, I suppose. I think we can agree stars and angles match of the week at least. I don't know. That four way was pretty <laughs> fucking.
0: Actually, no. The match of the the week was. Uh, Takiyama versus Nakamura from
1: Wrestle Kingdom. That doesn't count. That's not in the, within the remit of this rewatch project. Hmm. Just say well, Styles I and Angles a good the, match, you turd. Yes, it
0: was the Styles and Angles match. <laughs> Before they shit it up on the pay-per-view. So. Uh, but overall, like I had a lot of fun watching one of these shows. The other show made me really mad, but I guess that's its own form of enjoyment. <laughs> so, A little bit of sadism goes a long way. Yeah, well, one of them had fucking
1: Sean Morley on it, didn't it? You can follow us on Twitter at TNA History Pod. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday with the second episode of You Got to Be Recovering Me covering July 2002. We'll be back in two weeks with the second episode of this podcast covering the March 8th, 2010 Impacts and Raw, when Impact decided to wait two months before doing another one. Typical Impact. We'll talk about that next time.
0: Hmm. Watch along. Oh yeah,
1: we'll be doing watch along of NWAT and episode number four, so that'll be up next Saturday as well, along with the second episode. If you got to be kidding me, thanks for listening and bye bye.
0: I still don't have a goodbye yet. Bye.